Remember that feeling of joy, like a spark of light, being innocent and free, like an evening breeze on a summer night. But then a slight change as the north wind blows, the shame of sin as addiction takes hold, feeling darkness close as the doors start to close. The unrelenting march of winter has won. It seems the occupation has begun. White flags, hands up, darkness assumes the throne. But then a flicker of light in the dead of night. The opposition is nervous. They heard the wounded healer has joined the fight. Resurrection, the glimmer of his battle scars makes the night take flight. Insurrection, we're emboldened. That's why there's more of us now, right? We've been locked up, but he set us free. We once were blind, but now we see. We no longer retreat because we've tasted and seen. And now we believe that the darkness will not overcome the light. Tonight we begin a journey in the book of John. You know, the Gospel of John has always been my favorite of the Gospels. It's just the way that the Holy Spirit through John lays it out and sets it up. You know, John's not really concerned with just, uh, you know, the eyewitness accounts. He's not focused on Jesus' family tree. It's not just a list of fulfilled prophecies. John's goal isn't to only prove that Jesus was the Messiah. John has one goal. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And as we go on this journey together, we need to understand how the Bible was written. You see, the Bible is not primarily a book or an assortment of morality. This book is not just a collection of religious dogma. The Bible is primarily one big love story, one overarching narrative that reveals the love that God has for each person here tonight. Every other religion is about, what, uh, is about how to find God, but Christianity is about how God found us. It's not about what we must do in order to be saved. Christianity is about what God did in order to save us. Christianity is not one of the many ways we can work our way up to heaven. It is about the way the one way to heaven worked its way down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts John 1.14. The word became flesh and blood and moved into my neighborhood. And we saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory. To really drive home this, the Holy Spirit gives John seven signs, which we're going to explore over the course of this series. Now, there's a lot of debate. There's some debate as to which signs are the seven signs. I don't want us to get caught up in that. Uh, the principles that we're going to unlock in the seven signs are what are the key. Each sign... Jesus had a specific purpose in mind as well as a specific response that he wanted to see people have to that sign. You see, Jesus wasn't, 
You know, Jesus doesn't do parlor tricks. Jesus isn't out to impress us. He's out to transform us. And so that's the purpose of the signs that the Holy Spirit gives John. John was very intentional about which signs he included in his gospel because at the end he says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. So why did he include the ones that he did? But now these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Who here could use a little bit more life today? I'm talking about life at home. I'm talking about life in the marriage. I'm talking about life in the relationships. I'm talking about God wants to breathe life into your life right now. John 10.10 says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. John 1, 4 through 5, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. My, my message tonight is entitled, Let There Be Light. Let us pray. Most gracious God, may you be glorified, may you be uplifted. We all come here tonight with an assortment of problems, dilemmas. Lord, we all have a darkness that keeps attacking us that keeps vying for attention, that keeps whispering lies into our hearts, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would rebuke that darkness, that Christ Jesus would come front and center tonight, that you may be lifted up, that we might see light at the end of the tunnel, that we might all have hope tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As soon as you start the book of John, something jumps out at you. The first verse and the first three words, in the beginning. Now, only, other one, only one other book besides, you know, John did write one of his epistles where he has this, but only one other book begins this way, Genesis. And so the Holy Spirit is doing something very specific here. John is connecting the first creation, the original creation, with new creation, John's gospel is all about new creation. So notice in Genesis 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. Now check out the formula. The Spirit is moving, God is speaking, and the Word begins creating. And what's really cool is we find this formula in a few other significant places in Scripture. In his book, The Deep Things of God, John Pauline points out multiple parallels in creation, the flood, which was an undoing of creation, and the exodus. In all three scenes, we see this formula. In all three scenes, there is darkness, there is chaos, there is void, there is unsurmountable problems, but then the Holy Spirit starts moving. And then God starts speaking. The, the, the Word of God begins breathing and recreating, and suddenly light is appearing, and waters start separating, and firm foundation begins emerging, where once there was nothing, now there is something. And what's really cool is we find the exact same formula in the first chapter of John's Gospel. 
again, we see the Spirit hovering over the waters. God speaks. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who you will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then we see the Word of God cut through the water of the Jordan where there once was no way, now there is a way. It is new creation, new Genesis. It is a new and better Exodus. Now what's important about this? Well, it's important because what this tells us is the same power and process God used to create the planet is accessible to us tonight. The same power and process that God used to, to create something out of nothing is now accessible to you this evening. I should have heard at least five amens, ten hallelujahs, and fifteen praise the Lord's. God is good, amen? In the beginning, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Let me tell you, friends, that was the condition of my life before God said, let there be light. Man, my life was without form. It was chaotic and it was covered in darkness. Let me tell you, opioid addiction almost destroyed my life and, and took me out. Now, it wasn't always that way. You know, nobody wakes up and says, you know what, I think I want to grow up to be a drug addict. No, I didn't really go looking for trouble. Trouble came looking for me. Well, maybe I went looking for a little trouble too. But I grew up in a pretty good family. I grew up in a good neighborhood. I had all kinds of opportunities. I went to pretty good schools. I went to church. Man, my father was a pastor. And I know what you're thinking, man. PKs, they're the worst. And you're right. You're right. Oh, this is what cracks me up when sometimes church folk act like we don't have problems. Give me a break. You see, the darkness does not discriminate. <laughs> it does not care who you are. Man, the enemy's got a thousand ways to take you out. But hallelujah, God's got a thousand more to rescue you from the darkness. My, my story follows a pretty generic pattern, man. You know, there's not really anything special about my story. There's just something special about my God. And I guess I started drifting. Uh, I, I started drifting into addiction when I was in my junior year in high school. It was all about that party lifestyle. It was all about having a good time. And, you know, I have no idea how I graduated my senior year at high school because it's just one big blur. As um, Ashok mentioned, I've got four kids, praise the Lord, and, and, and two of my kids have already graduated high school and they're in college. And I was so proud a few years ago when I was able to see my kids graduate with honors. Let me tell you, God is so good because I was already getting into a whole lot of trouble by this time. You know, my kids, uh, one of them graduated valedictorian. Let me tell you, I graduated miracle dictorian. <laughs> My kids, I watched them come down the aisles and they had all these ropes and medals around their necks. And man, I was lucky they gave me a robe. We serve a God of miracles, amen? And so I, I can't believe I graduated, but I did. And, but, but just a few months after graduation at the age of 19, uh, I found out that I was going to be a father. And suddenly reality just came crashing in. 
Suddenly, man, responsibility called, and I, I, quit, my, I quit school, I quit, I quit my job, I, I moved in with my in-laws because that always makes things better. You know, things would get problematic, and I'd quit, and then things would get better, but then they would, before long, I was back to using again. You know, the, the darkness is always looking for a different way to invade your life. If you kick him out of the back door, he looks for the uh, front door, he looks for the back door. And so I reached this point where I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm going to just stop the illegal stuff. I'll just stop doing, you know, the illegal drugs. It's okay if a doctor prescribed it. Give me a break. I'm here to tell you tonight that prescription medication from a doctor almost killed me and took me out. You see, our bodies don't know difference between something that was uh, given to you by a dealer or a doctor. You know, addiction doesn't care. It just wants you dead. And the thing about addiction is the more you use, the more you have to use. And, you know, your tolerance goes up, and so your intake increases. And, you know, and I want to be clear. Whenever I share my story, I'll have individuals come up to me with real chronic pain. And, you know, they're always telling me, Pastor, I'm going to give up the pain medicine. And, And that's not what I am suggesting. You know, pain medicine exists for people who really need it. And there's no shame in having to take it when you need it. But, but you see, I was going to that for something else. I wasn't going to it because of the pain that was in my body. I was going to it because of the pain that was in my heart. I was self-medicating. I was trying to escape my reality. And that's dangerous. And so the tolerance kept getting worse and worse. And I started doing what's called, you know, doctor shopping. I'd bounce from doctor to doctor to doctor to doctor. Man, it got to the point where I would go to like three different doctors in a day just to get enough drugs to make it through the day. Man, I was getting teeth pulled just for drugs. I was scheduling surgeries just to get drugs. It was insanity. And every time I hit bottom, I found a trap door. Man, my bottoms had bottoms had bottoms. And eventually you reach this point where you can't sustain your addiction legally. And that's where the criminal behavior comes in. And suddenly you're doing stuff that you swore you would never do in a million years. I learned through my addiction that, that let me tell you, if, if, if God is not the light in our lives, there is no, there is no extent to the depth and, and, and darkness that we can go to. Anybody who thinks, well, that would never happen to me, you're in denial. You're in denial. It could happen to anybody. I started, so I I reached this point where I couldn't sustain it. And so, you know, I thought, hey, I heard a lot of doctors. You know, I've heard a lot of doctors prescribe my medicine. I got a good idea. I'll just start calling in my own prescriptions and pretending that I'm a doctor. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. And you know, you, you know <laughs> why it's so hard to get legitimate pain medicine today? It's because of people like me. It's because of people working the system. And I got away with it for a long time, but as they say, when you do the crime, be prepared to do the time. And the thing about addiction and really is sin, friends, is it always catches up with us. In the beginning, you use the darkness, but in the end, the darkness uses you. 
In the, in the beginning, you have the affair, but in the end, the affair has you. The first time I was arrested, I was at Kmart. Anybody remember Kmart? Come on now. Don't be ashamed. For those who don't know what Kmart is, it's like a cheaper, more low-budget Walmart, if that's possible. And so I was in Kmart. I didn't really want to be seen in Kmart, let alone arrested at Kmart. But as I was getting ready to leave, when I knew the pharmacy was on to me, I, I, I made a quick exodus. And as I was coming out the door, uh, three squad cars pulled up, and, and there I, I, I got uh, arrested and put in the back of a police cruiser. And I'd like to say after that that I stopped, but for the next two years, I just kept going in and out of jails, kept getting arrested, kept manipulating, kept lying, kept sinking to new levels. And for the next two years, I just jails, institutions, treatment centers, until finally Christmas Eve 2002, man, I hit my bottom. I had just been kicked out of a halfway house that I was living in because my wife had already had to asked me to leave the house, and she had good reason to. I was living out of my car, which I had pawned the title for, which I was soon going to lose. I had multiple felony charges for prescription fraud, wanted by the police in multiple states. I had no friends. My family couldn't trust me. I couldn't trust me. I was completely broken spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. And so in one final attempt, my family, my, my wife and her family and my, my parents and, 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 and my family said, Richie, we're going to help you go to treatment one more time. They'd sent me to treatment before, but they said, we're going to do it one more time. I, so I went to a treatment center in uh, Gooding, Idaho. It's a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, man. A tiny little town in southern Idaho. And that first night was a lot like all the first nights I had had before in, in, in treatment centers before. As the withdrawals start kicking in, all you can think about is using. The depression and the darkness starts closing in and all I could think about is using because that's all I knew how to do anymore. In recovery we say I used to live and I live to use. That's all I knew how to do anymore. I was a shell of a per person. Just like Genesis 1-2, I was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep but little did I know. Just like at creation, the Holy Spirit was moving over the face of my darkness. And just as I was getting ready to walk out the door, because you get this stinking thinking, you know, I started thinking, well, I'll just sneak out and, you know, go score some dope and then come back in. They'll never know. And it was a joke. I knew they would know. And just as I was getting to go out the door, I heard God speak to me. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> he was probably, it was the drug speaking. God spoke to me is not usually something you want to hear from someone who's detoxing from drugs. But friends, it wasn't the DTs that were talking. It was the God of creation that was talking. And I, I'll never forget it. It was as clear as crystal. And I don't think it was probably audible, but man, it was audible in my head. Richie, if you go out that door, you're going to die. But if you would surrender your life to me, I'm going to give you new life. 
The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Genesis 1-3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And friends, suddenly, as I became open to God's leading, where there once was nothing, there was something. It was small, but it was something. And often, that's how new life begins. It begins small. When I got clean, I was drastically underweight, man. I hadn't showered or shaved or brushed my teeth in days. I was a shell of the person that I used to be. And let me tell you, if you had seen me, you wouldn't have had much hope. But the good news is that when God saw, uh, saw me, he saw something. You know, before creation, the earth was a dark, empty place. But God saw a planet filled with life and purpose. You see, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our past sins or, or our present condition. God looks past all of that all the way to your purpose. He looks all the way past that to your potential. You see, God sees things nobody else sees. 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. You see, when people saw a runt in, in David, you know, David's own dad didn't believe in him. When people saw a runt, God saw a king. When people saw Rahab, you know, they just saw another prostitute. But God saw his great, great, great grandmother. When everyone else saw a worthless junkie, God saw a preacher for his glory. God sees potential no one else sees. I don't care what anyone else thinks. I want to know what does God think. And God thinks, he, God knows he wants to give you new life tonight. And like a creation, man, God started moving. And, 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 and God started speaking. And the word started creating. And suddenly things began reappearing in my life. Man, this time I actually stayed in treatment for 30 days. I had never made it that far before. It may seem small. It may seem insignificant, but it was significant. When I flew back home after I got out of treatment, I told my wife where and when I, my plane would land. And I didn't know if she was going to be there because I knew she loved me, but I had put her through so much pain, so much heartache. I didn't know if she was going to be there. But hallelujah, when I walked through the door, I saw my wife. God said, let there be light. I started going to meetings every day for the first 90 days because, you see, if I used drugs every day, I needed recovery every day. Man, let me tell you, uh, a church, being a Christian, uh, 30 minutes, an hour, once a week ain't going to cut it. You ain't overcoming nothing without daily dependence. Paul said, I have to die daily. So I started going to meetings every day because I needed to be around people who believed in me. You know, you can't do this by yourself. Whatever you're going through, you, got, you, you need people in your life. I needed recovery every day. And, and as I started working this program, man, things started reappearing like at creation. I got a job, man. I got my friends back, the good friends I got back. I didn't want the other friends back. I got my kids back. I got my wife back, man. I got my life back, but not my old life. I got new life. God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
And I'll never forget the, my first court hearing after I was clean. Again, I had multiple felony charges of prescription fraud. Fraud. These are serious crimes, and I just knew that I was going to be going away for a very long, long time. But I was ready for whatever was going to happen, because you see, now I knew I wasn't alone. You see, God doesn't always prevent the pain from happening, but he does promise you will never be alone. Christianity may not give you all the answers as to why you're going through the painful experience you're going through, but Christianity gives you something no other religion does, a God who went through the pain with you, who can identify with your pain, who knows what it's like to be alienated, who knows what it's like to be rejected. I knew I wasn't alone, so I, I knew I could handle it. I knew I could go in there, whatever happened. When I got there, they arrested me. They took me back to a holding cell, and I felt like an eternity before I stood before the judge. And finally, I got there, and, and, and the judge agreed to do something called a pretrial diversion. Basically, Richie, you're going to be on probation for two years, and as long as you stay clean, you fulfill all your community service, you don't miss any uh, of your meetings with your probation officer, and you don't get into any more trouble, at the end of the two years, all the pending felony charges, charges would be expunged from my record. And she said this, and I quote, man, I still remember this as clear as crystal. She said, Mr. Halverson, it will be as though, as though you, never, you were never charged. From a legal standpoint, you never committed those crimes. You want to know what justification is? <laughs> it's not Jesus sweeping your sins under the rug. It's not Jesus just forgetting your sins. Man, it's Jesus blotting out your sins. It's as though you never sinned. And so I walked out of court that day a free person, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally. But let me tell you, it wasn't some magic wand fix. I had to repair what was damaged, man. I had to work a program of recovery. Someone didn't just pray over me and voila, I, new life was done. I had, to, I had to work at it. It was, it was simple but not easy. Don't confuse simple with easy. It didn't happen overnight. New creation doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The King James Version does not do this text justice because the Greek doesn't say new creature. It says new creation. You see, it's a process. It's not a one-time thing. God is continually working on our lives. At creation, God used a process of six days to turn the world from an unformed rock into a place filled with life. It didn't happen overnight, and neither, neither does new creation. It is a process. Hallelujah, God doesn't dump everything on us all at once that needs to change in our life. And you know what, church? We shouldn't dump that on people. You know, we want people to have all their issues worked out before we let them come into the church. And then we wonder why we don't see more miracles in the church. 
You know, we want to say, okay, now we'll, we'll baptize you if you do this, 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 this. And once you do that, once you accomplish that, then we'll baptize you. Man, we do not get ready and then come to Jesus. We come to Jesus and he gets us ready. Cre- new creation is a process. Not only was creation a process, but it was a process in a particular order. There had to be water before there could be fish. And there had to be air before there could be birds. There had to be land and vegetation before animals. In recovery, we say 12 steps are in order for a reason. You don't start with step 10. you got to start with step 1. They're numbered. Each of the seven signs in John are in order for a reason. Each one builds on the previous. New creation is a process in a particular order when I first got clean man I told my sponsor man I'm gonna quit everything man I'm gonna stop doing this I'm gonna stop doing that I'm gonna quit doing this you know being a good Adventist man I was just gonna stop doing everything all at once and I'll never forget what he told me he said Richie just focus on the opioids get a year clean before you worry about the cigarettes you focus on the drugs before you worry about this and that you get clean from the drugs for a year and then focus on that. And then I started, so I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And that's exactly what I did. I remember talking to my dad and he's like, Richie, man, you're going to come with us to church? I said, dad, I can't because I'm still struggling. I'm still struggling with this and that. He said, Richie, what do you think the church exists for? For people who are struggling. And so I started coming back to church. I started doing, and sure enough, just a little bit after a year, God gave me victory over the next thing and the victory over the next thing. Let me tell you, we serve a God of victory. But it's a process in a particular order. It doesn't happen overnight. Not only was creation a process in a particular order, it was over seven days. Now, John loves the number seven. He uses it, of course, in his gospel, and the Holy Spirit has him using it in the Revelation all the time. It was a process of seven. You've got seven days at creation. We've got seven signs. It's a number that represents in the Bible completion. You see, God didn't rest until the seventh day of creation after everything was done. Likewise, God isn't going to rest in your life until he's finished recreating your life. Philippians 1.6, it says, check this out. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And friends, I want to be clear. This series is not just for addicts. This message is not just for those people. Everybody needs to be made new. In this series, I'll reference addiction a lot because it's my story I'm going to talk a lot about principles from recovery because, you see, they're biblical principles. They're universal. They apply to everyone. Rick Warren said there are two groups of people in the world, those who need recovery and know it, and those who need recovery. And it's too easy for us to disassociate ourselves from each other due to differences in our story. If we don't identify immediately with someone's story on the surface, it's too easy for us to shut down. But here's the thing. The surface may be different with our struggle, but underneath it's all the same. You see, drug addiction is just one of the many symptoms the darkness can take. The reality is, friends, we're all addicted to something. On some level, we're all sin addicted. 
Whatever we're addicted to, whether it's success, whether it's wealth, whether it's power, whether it's popularity, pride, even, we're going to see in this series, religion can be a type of addiction. If it's the religion without a relationship, you see anything we go to for identity, love, life, purpose, joy, peace, freedom, other than God, leads to death. So instead of looking for differences this week, I want us to look for similarities because the reality is we all need recovery. We all need renewal. We all need resurrection. Man, it doesn't matter if you got a PhD or a GED. Man, I don't care if you graduated from uh, Penn State or the state pen. Anyone and everyone needs to be born again. And the folk that sit here thinking, well, man, uh, you know, uh, I, I, had a, I had a dear member who whenever I would preach a sermon, he'd come out to me and say, Pastor, those people, that was a great sermon, those people really needed it. <laughs> he was joking, but he was illustrating a good point. It's so easy to hear a sermon and say, man, I should have brought my wife to hear this. <laughs> or they're sitting there with us and we're praying, we're like, Lord, please open her ears, open his ears. <laughs> And that's why, friends, in chapter 3 of John, that's what I love about John, is that the Holy Spirit has John line up two very different people. You have Nicodemus in chapter 3, and you got the woman at the well in chapter 4, and yet Jesus ultimately offers them the same thing. You see, we all need the same thing. You know, in chapter 3 of John, Jesus tells the church going, the Bible thumping, the spirit of prophecy quoting, the 28 fundamental belief boasting, the vegetarian casserole eating Pharisee, you got to be born again. <laughs> you got to be born again. And what's cool is we run into this creation theme again. I love this. We run into that creation motif. Jesus said, you're not listening. Let me say it again. Unless a person submits to the original creation, the wind hovering over the water creation, the invisible moving over the visible, a baptism into new life, it is not possible to enter God's kingdom. Hallelujah, friends. The same power and process God used in creation is accessible to you right now. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. New life isn't achieved, it's received. We don't fight for victory in Christianity. We fight from victory. God has already won you victory on Calvary. You just got to reach out and seize it. On the sixth day, God creates humanity, and the first thing that he has them do on the seventh day is rest in his finished work, done. Likewise, on the sixth day of Passion Week, after he does all the work, finished, to tell us die, we can rest now in his finished work on Calvary. We don't find out what happens to Nicodemus. In fact, it's a type of appeal it leads, it's like a cliffhanger. We don't know what happens to Nicodemus. And if you're not reading closely, you miss it. You don't find out what happens to Nicodemus. What happened to him? Did he, was he reborn? Did he experience new life? Until we get to this powerful verse, after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate for permission to take down the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. And check out this last part. And this time with him came 
Nicodemus, who also earlier had come to Jesus by night. So check this out. In the beginning of John, uh, of John's gospel, Nicodemus shows up to Jesus in the middle of the night, which makes sense because you see creation always begins in the dark. Creation always begins at night. But when we get to the end of John's gospel, Nicodemus is now in the light. The same person who first went to Jesus privately now goes to Pilate publicly. And, and his own disciples, Jesus' own disciples aren't there. They're hiding. They're still in the darkness. But Nicodemus comes out. New creation. God has said, let there be light on this Pharisee's life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world, which was originally a dark and empty place, that he gave his word so that he could say, let there be light on your darkness today. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. On Calvary, Christ let himself be plunged into the ultimate darkness through which he could not see through to the other side. So that three days later, on the first day, just like in creation, he could step out of the grave, step out of the darkness, and he could say, let there be light. One of my favorite Christian writers, Frederick Buechner, said the resurrection is a promise that your worst thing will never be your last thing. The resurrection is a promise that your worst day is never your last day. You see, when Christ is the light of your life, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, will not, cannot overcome it. When Christ is the light of your life, no darkness can completely overcome you. Man, you can lose your job, but if you have Christ, it cannot overcome you. You can lose friends, you can lose family, loved ones, but if you have Christ, it cannot overcome you. Friends, in this time of, 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 of this pandemic and, and the emotional roller coaster, the pandemic cannot overcome you when Christ is the light in you. Man, you can lose wealth, you can you lose a wife, you can lose a husband, you can lose the boyfriend, you can lose, lose the girlfriend, you can lose health. But if you have Christ, it cannot overcome you. Addiction can't overcome you if Christ is inside of you. Depression can't overcome you if Christ is the light in you. Man, toxic people can't overcome you if Christ is the light in you. Pain, problems, disease, even death, if Christ is in you, the darkness cannot overcome you. Man, God wants to begin making all things new in your life this week. This week in the next seven presentations, just like at creation, with each day, God did something new. With each sign, God wants to do something new in you. Are you going to commit to being here? Are you going to be committed to being here, to step into the process of new creation? The enemy's going to try to stop you. The devil's going to try to invade you. The darkness is going to attack you like never before. Step out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You be here each night, and God's going to do a mighty thing. I believe it. I can see it. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for the mighty, awesome God that you are. And right now, Lord, I want you to, I'm asking that you would speak life and light into our darkness right now. Lord, we all come with an assortment of struggles. Addiction is just one of the many symptoms sin can manifest as. 
We're all struggling with a different darkness, but the solution is all the same, the light of the world. I pray that you would step into the lives of each person here right now. And Lord, I just pray for every person here. I pray for victory in the name of Jesus. There are people that are hurting. There are people that have habits, that have hang-ups, that have heartaches. I pray you would begin new creation in their life. That we can leave here as new people because we have been with you. Lord, there are people here that need victory in a particular place in their life. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your light would break onto their darkness. Lord, maybe there's some people here that need to make a decision. They've been on the sidelines and you want to move them to the front lines. Lord, there are people here tonight that have just been sitting on the fence in their relationship with you. Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that tonight is the night of salvation and they will make a commitment and a decision to follow you. Lord, whether that means baptism or rebaptism or becoming a part of a family that's preaching and teaching your scripture, your word. Lord, whatever that decision looks like, empower them to make that decision in their life. And they're going to talk to one of the chaplains here. They're going to talk to one of the pastors here. And we're going to step into that new creation process. It's a process. We don't have to give up. Empower us tonight, Lord. We can do nothing without you. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Darkness Will Not Overcome, a production of Pioneer Memorial Church in collaboration with Andrews University Center for Faith Engagement. To learn more about Pioneer Memorial Church, visit pmchurch.org. If you or someone you know would like to talk to someone about a mental health or substance abuse issue, please call the National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us again in the future for another Pioneer Podcast.